we will be back in service tonight, 6 o'clock, and we hope that you will make a special effort to be here. We didn't have Sunday night service last um, Sunday night, and there won't be no Sunday night service next week because what's next week? Mother's Day, and uh, we're looking forward to celebrating Mother's Day, amen, uh, so uh, there won't be a service next Sunday night, so let's try to get out to the house of God tonight and honor Him in His house, praise the Lord. We're going to the book of Proverbs, to a passage of Scripture that most of us can quote, but Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. This is what it reads like. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, I want to read that again in a modern translation, a translation that is called the message. I want you to look how this is translated as we read it. Go ahead and put it up there. There is a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Woo! Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Get a hold of that, folks. You've heard that other scripture in King James quoted for many years. But take a look at it if the writer of Proverbs would be writing today in this modern era how it would be written. There is a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. Everything is not as it seems on the surface. It leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. And my heart breaks today for those who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. who don't realize it, they have been blinded by the devil, but they're headed for the greatest heartbreak that anybody could ever have when Jesus Christ comes again. Heavenly Father, as we come today, we thank you for this service. This worship has been good today. We thank you. We have rejoiced in worship. And now let us look to your word. Because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Touch us today. Help us as we minister. In Jesus' name, let the church say, 
the Lord of God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you today on a subject titled, Sincerity of Attitude versus Content of Belief. Sincerity of attitude versus content of belief. I see a trend that's been going on for a long time now. And a lot of people have come to the conclusion that as long as somebody is sincere in what they believe or sincere in what they're doing, that it all work out. But I'm, I want to stress to you today, and I hope that by the time I finish this message that everybody will leave here understanding you can be sincere, but sincerely wrong and be lost. I want to tell you a story that I found, a true story, to begin this. I have to get in the Holy Ghost to say this word, but an anesthesiologist, <laughs> Lord. I almost speak in tongues every time I say it. An anesthesiologist, <laughs> I better move on while I'm ahead, was administering a controlled mixture of oxygen and gas to a patient in a New York hospital. When one of the tanks ran dry, the doctor, I'll say doctor instead of that other word because I don't want, like I said, I won't stay. The doctor used a new clearly a marked tank that was clearly marked oxygen. But as soon as he hooked it up and cut it on, almost immediately the patient died. The coroner after the autopsy revealed that the patient died of carbon dioxide poisoning. True story. And upon investigation, the second tank was found to contain pure carbon dioxide and had been mislabeled and sent to the hospital by mistake. I'm going to try this one more time. And the anesthesiologist was sincere in his belief there was oxygen in that tank that he hooked up to the patient. But although he was sincere, he was sincerely wrong, and it cost the patient his life. Being sincere don't have a slap thing they have to do with whether or not you're going to go to heaven or hell. 
There are people who are lost today who died sincere in what they believed and what they did. And our Bible tells us in the last days there would be all kind of voices in the world pulling at people. This is all right. That's all right. What kind of church you go to don't really matter. All of these are lives that come from the devil that trick people in believing like the anesthesiology. They get sincere over what they have been labeled and been told. Come on, somebody. And so they take the step. They take a leap of faith, but they end up wrong because even though they were sincere, they are still wrong. We see it everywhere today in Christendom. We see, amen, stadiums packed full of thousands of people, amen, rejoicing and believing in something they're sincere about, but there's no truth to be had. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is still the only way to heaven. There's no other way. There's no other name. The name of this preacher is not going to get you there. The name of this church is not going to get you there. The name of no earthbound religion will get you there. Unless you go through Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus said you're a thief and a robber. It don't matter how sincere you are. Now this story that I told you, fortunately, in the medical world, those kind of errors, errors are rare. And thank God for that. But in the spiritual realm, they occur all the time. Regarding salvation, many people will say, as long as I'm sincere, I'll come out all right in the end. Listen to this preacher as I talk today. I stand before you today with an anointing in my soul burning strong because I have this word that comes from God that he wants somebody to hear in this assembly. One of the greatest challenges you'll ever face as a true believer is confronting someone who is sincere but sincerely wrong. In fact, there are many believers in the church, some could be on a pew around you, who have many misconceptions about the scriptures, but are in bondage to their errors by chains of sincerity. Now think about that for a moment. We think about chains as being addictions, sins, We don't think much about chains being of sincerity. But there's a lot of people bound to the wrong thing by chains of sincerity. Somebody has to secede them into thinking as long as they're sincere, they'll be all right. And that chain of sincerity will take you down just as much as a chain of alcoholism or a chain of lies or a chain of drugs or any other chain. 
Do not base your eternal salvation on sincerity, folks. Hallelujah. My Lord. These people that I'm referring to, their absolute belief in the rightness of what they believe or do is what makes it so difficult for them to change their mind or offer correction to them. They are sincere, as I have said, but they are sincerely wrong. Let me ask you a question right now before I move on. Let me ask you this question. What do you think, honestly, what do you think is more important? The sincerity of a person's attitude or the content of a person's belief? Now take your time. Don't answer that question too hastily because your answer does have eternal consequences. Hallelujah. Now we're going to go to the Scripture. And I'm going to talk about a religious man named Saul. A religious man named Saul. This is going to let you know that all religion is not the same. All belief is not the same. Jehovah Witness folks are in a religion. And if you've ever had one knock on your door, You can say a lot of things about them, but you have got to say one thing. They are sincere in what they do. Never will forget what over Brother Max's house many years ago. And uh, one reason why this preacher looks today like I'm looking now and I didn't look like I did back then you never went to Sister Mac's house and left without eating. And so while she was in the kitchen fixing, me and Brother Mac was there in the living room sitting down talking. And I noticed a, an odd-looking book laying on the table there and uh, gathered it being a Bible. Brother Mac looked, uh, looked at me, he's looking at it, and he kind of gave me that grin. Ah, uh, Brother Sammy said, I had a Jehovah Witness come on um, at my house the other day and knocked on the door. They want to come on in. He said, I told him, just come on in. Now, you got to know, you got to know Brother Mac to understand some stuff right here. <laughs> and they come in, they sit down, and they started their, their thing and their issue. And when Brother Mac got started on them he got them so upset they got up and ran out and they left the Bible laying on the table <laughs> hallelujah so say what you will about Jehovah Witness but you've got to say they're sincere 
in what they believe. But they're sincerely wrong. And unless they come to know the real Jesus Christ, not the one that their leader, Charles Taz Russell, hatched up many years ago, they're going to be lost one day. Religion is not going to get you nowhere. Being religious is not going to get you right with God. It's not going to get you into heaven. And I'm going to bring this out by talking about a religious man who lived one time by the name of Saul. Now, I've always heard it said that there are two subjects which stirs more controversy and argument than any other opinions. Somebody want to guess what two subjects that is? Politics and religion. Hallelujah. I would add a third one if I was writing that. I'd say politics, religion, and women. But I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm in trouble already. Hallelujah. Help me, Brother Paul. Help me. He says, no, you got yourself into that one. All right. Politics and religion are two of the most controversial subjects that they are. And both historical and current events prove this to be true. Now, you've heard me talk this before if you've been in one of my teaching classes. But the word religion comes from an old Latin word that means to bind. You might not realize that, but always when you see or hear that term religion, that it comes from a Latin word that actually means to bind. And the reality of that origin comes very vivid when you understand that religion can develop such a hold on a man that it can cause him to kill or be killed for what he believes. Amen. Religion can create such a hold on the individual that it can cause them to kill or be killed for what they believe. But some would say being willing to die for your faith is a good thing. But if you are sincerely wrong in the faith you are dying for, what have you gained? Think about all the suicide bombers in Islam. They're going to run into something more than 72 Vestal Virgins, I guarantee you. But they're sincere in what they do, willing to take their own life. There have been countless men and women throughout history who have both killed and even died for what they believed to be right. They were sincere in what they believed, but they were sincerely wrong. Hallelujah. There was a young Jewish man who was highly educated and very religious. Hey, I tell you, there ain't a person in this church house this morning that's more religious than what this man was. He was educated and very religious. He lived in the early days of the church. His life was the best biblical example I could find of a man who was sincere in his faith and zealous in his promotion of his faith. But he was sincerely wrong and would have lived that zealous life in vain if he had not been obedient 
to the heavenly vision. Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Hallelujah. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I hate to say it, but these people out here in the cults and religions of the world are a whole lot more zealous than Christians are that are sitting on the pews in church houses today. Oh, we can, well, I got the truth, I got the truth, I got the truth. But what have you done with it? What are you doing with it? It's like what I've been hearing this morning. Hallelujah. This worship and what we're doing here comes to naught and don't mean nothing if we leave here and don't do nothing about what we've been taught and, and trained. Hallelujah. Whoop, whoop, it's a truth in hell. <coughs> now you know this man who this man by the name of Saul is. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 22. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I'm indeed a Jew, born in Tarshish of Sicily, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. Hallelujah. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. As also the high priest bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there in, uh, to Jerusalem to be punished. And then one final short verse of scripture, Acts 26 as he was standing before King Agrippa after being arrested. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Saul of Tarshish was a religious and sincere man, but he was headed for hell because he was sincerely wrong. When a vision of the risen Christ appeared to him on the Damascus Road, he realized how wrong he was. Being converted, Saul of Tarshish became Paul the Apostle. And the rest is history. Recorded in our New Testament is proof of what God can do through anyone who is willing to admit they were wrong and allow the Lord to change their point of view. <clears throat> I received a call 
at a young age. I'm thankful for that. I praise God for that. I've mentioned it before, and uh, I'll probably hmm, worry you to death by saying it, but I, I, I'm so thankful for this. But this year, this year makes 50 years that I've been in the ministry. Hallelujah. At 14 year old, the Lord placed a burden on my life. I had other things I wanted to do. I was highly motivated in music. I would drive my parents crazy. I would have a radio record player, guitar going. <laughs> One day my dad come in, Samuel, what, Dad? Cut that stuff down. He says, come out. So he said, come out and look at the uh, side of the house. And I go outside. He said, he said you, you stop now. He said, but I'm afraid you're going to tear my gutters off because when I come in, the little of the gutters was rattling from all that stuff you had going on. I had, as a young, young boy, I had some thoughts and ideas of ways I wanted to go. And the devil, even at the young age, had already given me some avenues to go by that I could go down. But things made a turnaround very quick for me when I turned 14. <coughs> the year before, I wasn't too interested in things, even though I'd come to know the Lord and profess Christ as my Savior as a kid at seven. At 13, I was beginning to fill my oats and the friends I had in high school and everything. I never will forget, and it really grieves me. Today, when I think about it, of course, much of what I am today is from my father. But at 13, and I'd be at school shooting off the mouth and bragging like most boys that age do. Ah, different ones were telling, talking about their parent and their home life and how hard they had it. And I'd always pop up and I'd say, Oh, just shut up. You don't have it hard. And I'd say, My old man's a preacher. How hard do you think I got it? regret those words today. How I'd love to be able to sit down and talk to him. But at a little church, it's still standing there close to Cato Road. 
Hyde's Fair, Ashton City Highway, I don't know what it's called right there, but it's a real church. My dad pastored that church. It was called the House of Prayer. And on a Wednesday night, I preached my first message. And God was leading me. He was beginning to start something in my life. I didn't know where it was going to lead to and where I was going to go to. But as I began to preach, what I preached was not all from the Word. What I preached was not all. It's like what I agonize over today before I stand before you. I always make sure I kneel before God before I stand before you because you don't need what I got to say. You need what the Holy Ghost said. And you ain't going to get that in every Pentecostal church today. I will tell you what the book says and what God is saying for the hour and risk you getting mad at me because there's something else. I love you. I love you. Then just your name, I love your soul. And there are people that are set under the pews down through the years that this pastor grieves over because even after them experiencing and seeing and hearing, they walk away and they walk away from the Lord. And that grieves my heart. But I, I, back then, as God was leading me, I would, I, would, I would teach and preach more. And the things of what I've been brought up in, rather than relying upon God. Finally, of course, and this is something you should never do. But most times, especially when there's a young person starting out, everybody wants to encourage them, and that's good. They need, they need to encourage them. But just about everybody pats you on the back and tell you you did a great job, whether or not you stunk or not. Because you were young, they don't want to encourage you. But I thank God, Brother Cal, that on a Sunday night, I was preaching something. And I was preaching it because I had heard it preached all my life. Somebody had the courage to walk up to me at the church and they say, uh, uh, Preacher, would you mind giving me chapter and verse for what you said? Whoa! Nobody had ever approached me like that before. Uh, I had my Bible. Well, I, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's there because I've heard it all my life. I was sincere, but I was sincerely wrong. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we're not careful, we all get caught up in traditions that's no way a part of God's Word. Hallelujah. And you're not going to be saved on traditions. You're going to be saved on the Word of God, the pure, unadulterated Word of God. So God had to lead me and guide me through a long process. A lot of times uh, um, uh, I was kicking and dragging my feet, you know, being 
my flesh. But God, I'm, I'm thankful God never gave up on me. Are you thankful God never gave up on you? Apostle Paul was in much of the same way. He had been trained by the best that the, the Jews had to offer, a man by the name of Gamaliel. There was none better than Gamaliel. There's no telling how much it cost for Paul to sit under this man's teaching to be trained back in their standards that day. And he became zealous. And he promoted that to the point that he began to have people arrested. And he had some authority. And he had people arrested and hauled off the prison. He was standing there at the first Christian martyr's death, holding the clothes of those who stoned him. I'm talking about Stephen. And by the way, none of us really understand how horrible and heinous a stoning is. The reason why Paul was holding their clothes back in those days when they stoned somebody, they, they would strip down to their own claws because they did not want the blood of the person that they were stoning to splatter on their clothes and mess up their clothes. It was a heinous thing. And Paul was standing there holding the clothes of those. He didn't throw a stone, but the Bible said he was consenting unto his death. Can I stop and ask you a question this morning? Everything that we come here to the church and we talk about in the hallways and everywhere else about this bad thing happening and that bad thing happening and going on, amen, are we consenting to what's going on in the world because we remain silent? We talk about abortion every year on Sanctity Life Sunday. We preach messages about it, and, and, and we all get behind that, and this church has always supported that. Amen. But what, we, what do we do when we leave here? Think about that. Paul's accounting of things that happened and how he persecuted the church of God. He was sincere in what he believed, but he was sincerely wrong. In closing my message for today, I'm going to stop. The Bible says that if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now, we need to take inventory of our own lives every day that we live. We need to investigate what we believe and why we believe it to make sure that we're not tied to chains of sincerity, believing that our sincerity is going to cause God to say, come on in, you were sincere. If that, if that worked, he'd have to let the devil in because ain't nobody sincere in what they're doing to him. The devil's sincerely trying to take you to hell. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So, folks, let's remember 
that it's not in religion. And you've heard this preacher tell you time and time again, you do not need religion. You need a a relationship with Jesus Christ because He will make the difference in your life. Let's stand together. anybody wants prayer, if you feel the Lord speaking to your heart right now, the altars are open. We'll give some time for prayer and you talk to the Lord. If you feel like and there's people here, be willing to uh, pray with you. Hallelujah. As, as we pray. Hallelujah.